Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Inch closer and closer to spring practice. The buzz around the conference UCF is joining has never been greater. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. No Rob or Nick today. Rob has Wi-Fi problems, so that's always fun. Nick, man's getting married tomorrow. So uh, for all of you watching who love Nick, send him a congratulations tweet. Uh, hit him up on all socials and send him a good congratulations um, we're heading to Tampa later today. Uh, I know it's going to be crazy because we got the UCF men's basketball game at 7. I'll be on the road probably at 6. So hopefully I can make it to Tampa around 7.30. And it's we're going to dinner. So hopefully I can sneak the phone under the table um, and check on scores while we're up there. Um, but it should be a fun weekend. Excited to go um, to celebrate uh, and and listen, hopefully we can watch UCF win a couple games uh, in the process while we're down there. But listen, there's a lot, there's a good amount of talk about today. I know, I think it's been up and down weeks. Obviously, when you're during the off season, right? You've got certain weeks that you get some a, a lot of news, and certain weeks you just get none. And this week we've got a good couple things to talk about. Um, in regards to expansion, Brett Yormark talked uh, to the media at the Big Twelve. Um, tournament this week and said some pretty enlightening things, um, things that we all already pretty much know. But I think it's a bigger picture to talk about in the sense of what is, is it all a smokescreen? Is it really as bad as people are saying? Or is it the Big 12 feeding in hoopla to get people to assume that the Pac-12 is just not going to get the deal that they want? Um, we're going to talk Michael Resco, our favorite friends uh, at UCF, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. This is the statement he made about the group of five and the power five. Never heard Mike Oresco talk about power five. I thought it was always power six. Um, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about a couple of UCF basketball topics, uh, especially Taylor Hendricks getting absolutely robbed um, and why it's not as crazy as some people are making it out, even though it's pretty crazy. Uh, I appreciate you guys continuously watching, subscribing, liking. Really means the world to us. We're going to continue to put out great content. And, and in the coming weeks and months, uh, we have some great, some exciting stuff, some very exciting stuff. If you aren't already subscribed, please go down there, subscribe, because we're going to put out some bangers here in the next couple of months, some some things you've never seen before um, on UCF, YouTube, Twitter. Um, and I know that's it's a lot to say, but I, I truly mean it. So it's not just these podcasts we're, we're, we're cooking up here at Charge On. But let's get it started, guys. Brett Yormark, our new commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. Listen, the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in college. It's not even close. There's, I think, like eight teams probably going to be in the tournament. Um, But the Big 12 Conference uh, tournament is getting held um, this week. And, Brett, listen, it it was very clear. Brett was going to get asked about these expansion rumors. How are they looking at the four corner schools? it was almost 100% known that that was going to be a question mark. Um, it's funny. The Pac-12 commissioner, I do not believe, had a press conference at the Pac-12 tournament. 
uh, which makes a, a ton of sense, right? Because that it would take away from the basketball, number one, but also number two, I the commissioner is under a lot of heat right now, a lot of pressure to get something done. And I think he knows just as well as everybody that they're struggling. Now, Brett, our new commissioner, Brett Yormark, he said a lot, right? He said a lot in this press conference, but I want to show you a specific line and I want to read a specific line that I think a lot of people are pointing out. Gonzaga has been one of the key talking points uh, about expanding in Big 12 basketball. Big 12 basketball, if you thought it's hard now, just wait in a couple of years. The rumor and the rumors is that Brett Yormark is is looking to expand the basketball market and to bring in some teams specifically for basketball, probably three from the Big East to get three Big East teams or teams on the East Coast, and then Gonzaga to bring in to really solidify the basketball conference. And the rumor is that by 2030, he would then sell the basketball separately from the entire conference because of how good the Big 12 basketball is, it's looking like some of these networks will pay big money to just take basketball. Turner probably being one of them. There's rumors that Turner might lose the NBA um, over the next media deal, which then Turner would throw a lot of money at the Big 12 media rights deal for basketball. So getting a school like Gonzaga, who is now a powerhouse in basketball, they have been over the last couple of years, would be huge. So he was asked about Gonzaga, and your mark made it very clear. He said, I like Gonzaga. Obviously, they're a great program. My focus right now is to see what happens throughout our industry. There are a lot of moving parts. I continue to have conversations with Gonzaga. But I think as I prioritize what our next move might be in an expansion, there are other things right now that I'm focused on. That, folks, is is it. I mean, it's it's... The one thing I love about Brett Yormark is that he says 100% what it is. He doesn't come out and say, listen, we're going after schools to expand in football um, and schools to expand the Big 12 Conference as a whole. That's what we're doing right now. We're, we're negotiating with those schools. We're trying to see if those schools uh, can you know dip from the Pac-12. He's not saying it like that, but he's making it very well known. Listen, Gonzaga is not going anywhere. They're not going to the Pac-12. It's it's also the highway, most likely. We love Gonzaga. We want them to join our conference. But right now, we're focused on getting those four schools or on getting some schools to leave the Pac-12 to join us. That It's clear as day. He even said, he says, we want to be a truly national conference from a brand perspective, but also a geographic footprint. That's what he said. And I we've been telling you this for weeks on Charge On, Right. What your mark wants to do is he wants every one of the time zones. It looks, it is perfect for revenue, right? Because at the end of the day, you're, you already signed your media rights deal, right? So you're setting yourself up for the next media rights deal. And if you go to the next media rights deal and you say, listen, I have every single time zone that we have games in. We have every single time zone. You could put it at any single time that you want. You could take whatever games you want. That is very lucrative. That makes them the third best conference. The SEC, the Big Ten. You can only have so many times, like so many times with those. Obviously, they're the two best conferences in college athletics. But the Big 12 will be third easily. And that's what we've been telling you for weeks is that what Brett Yormark is doing is setting the Big 12 up 
to be successful moving forward. Because the Pac-12, it's looking like this thing is disintegrating within weeks. Now, some people have said that that's all smoke and mirrors, and a bunch of people are throwing out crazy rumors and throwing up stories every day to try and degrade the Pac-12 brand, and it's not as bad as people think, and it's all smokescreen. To that, I'll say, then show me the studio. If it's all BS, and it's all it, it's all BS, then show me what deal that the Pac-12 will get and who's going to pay it. We, we all know. Who's going to pay the Pac-12 deal? There is not a buyer right now that is willing to fork up that money. There's not. So it's not smokescreen and mirrors. Now, maybe some of the numbers might be off, right? Maybe it's not 100% reporting the complete accurate number. But I'm sure it's pretty close. At the worst, the Pac-12 is not getting more than $25 million a year per school. And it looks like, some from some of the rumors, Oregon and Washington are probably saying, huh, I want more money. Why am I, like, we are clearly making this conference. Because again, if you take Oregon and Washington away, it probably goes down to $20 million per year per school. And then again, I think we all know that the Big 12 really want the four corner schools. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. That's that's ultimately what the Big 12 wants. So to the, to all the people and to all the insiders that are based are that are Pac-12 reporters that are saying it's all smoke and mirrors and people are throwing out ridiculous things, I'm not saying they're wrong. What I'm saying is show me the a better report. Show me your report saying that it's not as bad as you think. Teams are really invested and teams are 100% on board and nobody's talking to the Big 12 because that's that's wrong. There are teams talking to the Big 12 and they are ready they are getting ready to leave. It's just who's going to make the first move and you'll know once that first move is made there'll be moves behind it. And then you go to basketball and as soon as as soon as the Big 12 finalizes the the football aspect and and getting those teams to join in all the sports they will go right to basketball and those other schools will join. Because at the end of the day, I, I think Brett Yormark is right. That at the end of the day, the Big 12 basketball brand is going to be up there. I mean, it, it, it'll be the number one brand in college basketball easily. N- not even close. It will easily be the number one college basketball brand. And it will make a good chunk of money, which in part will help all the schools. And it's not that far away. I mean, 2030 is gonna is is when the media rights deal will end, most likely for basketball, or when they, at least they would negotiate. And, and they're gonna make a lot of money just off of that. So the Big 12 is in a primed, primed position. Primed position to really make some noise and really take that third spot. And and I don't know, it's gonna be very interesting. I mean, he's not hiding it. And I don't know when the Pac-12, I don't know when all this is going to happen, but I think it's happening quicker than maybe even I thought earlier. I think it's happening way sooner. And I think you might see by the end of April, the Big 12 might have expanded already. So exciting time for the Big 12. Again, in UCF's perspective, 
it, it was almost like the perfect perfect timing for us. We were really good and really high and had a great national brand at the right time. At the right time, everything worked out. And now it's looking like it's going to work out for us. Now, in that same token, we need to continue to push the envelope because it's not going to get easier, right? If you add more teams into football, you've got more competition. If you add more teams in basketball, our basketball program needs a lot of work, a lot of retooling, a lot more money put into it compared to some of these other basketball programs. And, and that's a fact. I mean, we're going to be probably one of the the worst basketball programs coming into it. But I think, again, just like I said with football, right? People say, oh, UCF football, they're not going to be as ta- as good coming in. They might go five and seven the first year. Six and six, maybe. I think very quickly UCF basketball and football, if that is the case. Definitely basketball more than football because basketball needs so much more work. But if that's the case, the turnaround will be very quick. Because again, recruiting is 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 more easy in this scenario. You're already in Florida. You're already going to win some of those battles that you probably wouldn't have won three years ago. So UCF's in a great position. And I think they've got the right man and Brett Yormark running the show and figuring all this out. Because even though it's not UCF news, it affects them. It does affect the team overall. Because at the end of the day, if we were getting news saying Pac-12's getting all these schools, Big 12's really losing a lot of money, Pac-12's going to kill the Big 12's, media rights deal, then we'd be discussing how how long does the Big 12 have? How much money are they going to get the next deal? But it's the complete opposite. It's looking like the Big 12 is here to stay, and the Pac-12 is about to go bye-bye. Let's switch to our other commissioner, Mike Oresco. I'm going to read you his entire statement, uh, because I I found it very interesting. I woke up to this. Um, obviously, the Americans' championships in basketball, men's basketball championship is going on. We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, with UCF beating SMU yesterday and now today taking on Memphis in a game that, I mean, we have a little bit of hope, but not too much, but a little sliver of hope um, today against Memphis. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Michael Resco. Uh, UCF fans and Mike have have had a little bit of a back and forth over the last however many years. It's always felt like uh, Mr. Oresco hasn't really uh, given the schools leaving its due. He views the conference as so strong without those schools and has come out and basically said that. And he does have some points that are I think are are valid, but also complete an utter ridiculousness of takes that he says. But the bottom line is UCF and Cincinnati have run the conference over the last however many years. And without those schools, the conference doesn't really have the big hitters. Now you have Tulane. Tulane is your is your bread and butter. And you have a bunch of whole lot of nothing. I mean, Memphis is there. Memphis is is a solid brand, and I think Memphis will look good. SMU, but SMU again, I don't even know why the Pac-12 wants SMU. It's in, you know, Texas. We understand that, but it's not like they were, you know, really high up there in terms of moving up and expansion. But, you know, the Pac-12 is going to do what they need to do. 
But let's talk, let's read this. I'm going to read you the entire thing. And I really want to dive deep into this and, and hear exactly what he's saying. Because I find it very funny. And we'll talk about it after. But let me read. In recent weeks, I've seen references to the Power Five. In interviews and public conversations, which suggest that the Power Five is all that matters in college athletics. This is profoundly misguided, especially in the current environment. As it stands, in terms of competitiveness, the gap between the number two and three conferences is far greater than between the number three conference and the American. There are power five conferences that have lost the marquee teams, which gave them that status in the first place, and whose value today is much harder to define. There are power five conferences that have added multiple teams from the American and other conferences among this group that have discussed adding schools from our conference. If the Power 5 label means that you are vastly different, why is this so? Five American Athletic Conference schools were once BCS or Southwest Conference teams. If the difference is so vast, why does the American have four New Year's Day football wins over top 10 teams and dozens of regular season football wins against the labeled Power 5? If the gap is so vast, how could the American have won a national championship in men's basketball and three national championships in women's basketball? How could the American have been to a Final Four, an Elite Eight, multiple Sweet 16s, and have had a college football playoff team? How could the American currently be home to the number one men's basketball team in the country? At this moment in history, separating conferences with the so-called Power Five moniker lacks meaning in the context of competitiveness. It is troubling to see media media manufactured labels confirmed by college sports leadership, which do not reflect the reality of college sports going forward. This creates a divide at five that should not exist and creates harmful effects. Documents have recently come to light that describe a Power 5 legislative initiative around NIL that has not been shared with the wider membership. This is not a healthy approach, as such an initiative should be collaborative effort among the wider Division I membership, including all FBS conferences. These conferences do not speak for all of college athletics. The Power 5 and Group of 5 labels should be discarded and confined to collegiate history. There are 10 FBS conferences, some more successful than others, but all sharing similar goals, experiencing similar challenges, and competing successfully against each other. That's your former commissioner, Mike Oresco. Well, technically current, but almost former. I'm going to give it to him. He says a couple things I agree with. A couple things I truly do agree with. Because as UCF fans, we understand how annoying and frustrating it was to always be labeled as a group of five team, even though we knew that we were better than many of the power five teams. I do think now here is where it comes to the, the truth bomb that I understand Mike gets frustrated and Mr. Oresco gets frustrated hearing. Unfortunately, he is right. In the sense of, at, at the end of the day, if we took and we just said 10 FBS conferences and we, we said, no more group, no more power, or uh, power five, no more group of five. At the end of the day, it comes down to media rights. That's what it comes down to, right? And when he's talking about NIL legislation and all that stuff, you know what? He is right in the sense of, I think it should be opened up to all collegiate athletics. I don't think it should be labeled to only Power 5 programs. Now, with that being said, I think those initiatives and how much money goes into them and all that stuff, I think that should determine on media contracts and how much the school's bringing in revenue-wise because of those contracts and how I think that also should play in. So I do agree with him on that. Here's the funny thing to me. 
And here's, he's right. Listen, you look at it. UCF, Houston, Cincy. They're going to the, they're going to be Power 5 programs. But when Mr. Oresco is talking about everything that the American has done, and I want to make it clear, these are all true facts. These are all true statements. Listen, four New Year's Day football wins over top 10 teams. Okay, Tulane just did it. Wh- who were the other schools? UCF, can't think of the other school. I think, no, it wasn't Cincinnati. I think it was just UCF, right? They were probably with somebody else. Maybe Houston, I don't know. Tulane was the only school, I believe. If I'm wrong on that, please go down. I I can't remember all of these, but um, Final Four, Elite Eight, uh, college football playoff team. College football playoff with Cincinnati. Uh, they're going to be in a Power Five, and the uh, men's basketball and uh, national championship. Houston um, have won a national championship in men's basketball. I have to look up which I'm which team won a champion national championship. Was that UConn? I got to look it up. I think it was UConn. But when he's going through all these stats, and he says, at this moment in history, separating conferences with a so-called Power 5 moniker lacks meaning in the context of competitiveness. The American is sixth. Okay? That's not saying that some of the teams in the American are not better than some of the Power 5 programs. He's 100% right there. I mean, saying that, oh, they're Power 5, so they're better, we've always said that that's not the case. When UCF was in the American, we've always said that's complete and utter BS. UCF could go take on even lower. Like, if you go take on Vanderbilt in the SEC, UCF would have creamed them. Like, I understand where he's coming from. But for a man that continuously was calling it a power six, and all we'd say, power six, power six, power six, and now all of a sudden he's, he's coming out and saying, power five, group of five. This is ridiculous. I think he's seen the writing on the wall with the NIL, especially, and everything that's going on in college athletics. Because it looks like SMU, if the Pac-12 is still alive, SMU is a goner, right? SMU is going to leave that conference. Then the American has to go and, and get a new conference or get a new team. I actually want to see, I want I because listen, American new schools, I cannot remember um, I cannot remember who actually joined the American. I know, I know a couple of them uh, that joined Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. I'm sorry, but when I saw that schedule release for the American, I said, "Oh Lord, how." The American has fallen. This is awful. Now, I want to make it clear. UCF wasn't all, you know, high and mighty at one time, right? UCF really struggled. And it took years for them to build up that moniker and really kind of build that brand. Not saying any of those schools can't. I think you already see a couple schools that can really build a program on. The problem is in today's college athletic system. Not saying it's perfect. And I do agree. I actually do agree with Mike 
And I do, I, I do hate the group of five, power five. I, I've always hated that. I think it's ridiculous. But it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Take, take the power five, group of five away. It comes down to money. If we can all learn something over the last couple months, over the last year and a half, over the last two years on college expansion, what does it come down to? It comes down to how much money each conference can get and how much revenue it brings the schools. Because if it brings a lot of revenue to the schools, it then gets flushed into all the athletics programs, mainly football. And what does that help? Recruiting, which brings in recruits. And now you have NIL. So NIL is paying these recruits and it's making these college athletic programs a lot of money and making the athletes a lot of money. And it is increasing those conferences and leaving some of these other conferences in the dust. That's what expansion is. You take, if you need schools, which the Big 12 did, they take the schools from those the non, non-power five, the group of five, and bring them up and say, we, are, we see potential out of you. You're already really good. You probably should be Power 5 conferences. We're going to make you a Power 5 conference. Now, we've seen over the however many years the teams in some of these Power 5 conferences that you look at and you're like, how is this a Power 5 program? Colorado, the last however many years, they were basically a group of five school. Like, let's call it like it is. They were recruiting as a group of five school. That, God's honest truth. Now you bring in Dion. And, and it's different, right? But I think th- I agree with Mike Oresco on this. The group of five, power five, it is ridiculous. But with that being said, it comes down to money. And unfortunately, the American was making UCF $7 million a year. Where now, UCF will be making 30 plus. That's a huge, that's a big difference. So when he says this, I want to find the line, but he says it at the end where the power five and group of five labels should be discarded and confined to collegiate history. There are 10 FBS conferences, some, some more successful than others, but all sharing similar goals, experiencing similar challenges and competing successfully against each other. You're right. You're right. The problem is there's a reason Alabama schedules some of those group of five schools to start the first three weeks. They have similar goals, not similar talent. At the end of the day, the American, as of it, as it is right now, is the sixth best conference in football. That's how it is. As of right now. Unfortunately, I think there's no way that the American will be able to jump anybody Unless they get lucky and maybe Pac-12 schools go to the American. I, I, I don't know. But we've talked about it. The way that this trajectory is looking, it's very bleak. It's either... Eh, the way I view it is it's more and more looking like it's going to be a big three, power three conferences, and then everybody else. Everybody else can fight and try to get school to jump ship and all that, but it's looking like it's going to be the SEC, Big 10, Big 12. And then the Pac-12 is going to, you know, probably steal some schools from a group of five programs, probably the American, the Mountain West. That's 
probably what's going to happen with them. And the Pac-12 will still be a, a conference, but it, it won't be a power conference. It'll go into a group conference, which then would make it the power four. And then the ACC, in however many years, you'll have the big schools leave the ACC, and then the ACC will go and take however many schools, and the Big 12 will go and take schools from the ACC too, and the ACC will then take schools from everybody, and then it becomes a power three unless the ACC can keep most of their schools combined and still a power four, but the ACC is clearly number four. That's how it's looking. I don't. I can't read the future. I might be completely wrong, but the way it, 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 it's looking like it's going is there's. you can say all you want. You can try and push the narrative of it's 10 conference, or it's, there's 10 FPS conferences. It's equal. They all have similar values and stories, which I agree. I that that's I think the the more frustrating thing is I will always and I've said this I will always support the group of five teams I will always if Tulane is up there next year I will root for them over all the other schools because I think they would deserve a shot and I think beating USC they, they do deserve that if there's a group of five team that's really standing out a hundred percent give them the shot because I'm never gonna say I'm not gonna be that power five snob that we we all know one of them that's oh they're not power five they haven't played anybody i think that's ridiculous and we know that feeling but with that also being said i'm not going to shy away and say that use sf should be getting the same opportunities as ucf not going to say that i think if the money comes in then the money comes in. NIL wise, we NIL we could spend two hours on. NIL needs a lot of work, but when so, uh, they're saying Power Five conferences NIL, no, I do think all conferences should get an NIL something. I think every single conference should get something to work with when it comes to NIL because it should it 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 needs to even the playing field. But in that same token, I think it needs to kind of counteract with how much a school is bringing in. Because if you just give everybody a certain X amount of dollars, then you're really, I mean, I don't know if that'd be a bad thing. I don't know. NIL is a confusing thing. But I think he's seeing the writing on the wall because it looks like SMU is going to leave. And he is right. Again, I want to make that very clear. He is right about all the things the American has done. But you also have to remember they were schools in your conference. They are no longer there. So they were in your conference at the time, and they did great things. But now you have to find the next big story. Tulane is that story for you. Run with Tulane. Because I don't think you're going to be having, and Houston in basketball was that for you. But it's, I think it's going to be a little bit until you you find that. Mike Oresco, everybody. You know, hopefully, and listen, I want to make it very clear. I'm thankful for the American for having UCF and you know, UCF has a lot of great memories in the American. I mean, look at the back of my shirt. I mean, back-to-back champs. The American has a lot of great memories for UCF, but it's time to start new ones, and I hope the Americans can stay on their feet in this tough time um, in conference play because I think that there's a lot of great schools in the American that I hope can make the jump and make a little bit more cash coming up in the next however many years. Uh, but it, it's it's going to be tough out here. It's going to be tough in the college football space and the college athletic space um, with these media rights. And like we keep saying, like I keep saying, the media rights 
is the bread and butter uh, to basically tell you if you're a power conference or not. And that's just the honest truth. All right, let's talk men's basketball really quick. Game tonight, 7 p.m. Got the win out against SMU. A little scary there for a little bit. Uh, UCF was down pretty much almost the entire first half. Uh, came back, won, and now they face Memphis in a game that most likely they lose, but it would be really great if they won. Now, they did beat Memphis once before. Um, the second game, they lost by one point. It was a heartbreaker layup with seven seconds left. I think Kendrick Davis didn't play for most of the game, though. I think he got injured in the first half. So, I mean, you could put a little asterisk next to that game. But if UCF wins that game, I mean, listen, I know a lot of a lot of UCF fans keep calling for Johnny Dawkins' head. I would encourage you to go view my thoughts on that a couple episodes ago where I do not think UCF should fire Johnny Dawkins. I understand the frustrations, and hopefully they can be fixed and f- or figured out. But I think UCF needs to put a lot more into their basketball program. It's not just all on Johnny Dawkins. But um, let's talk Taylor Hendricks. Had a great game yesterday. He's I, Again, I think this, this kid's going to be a top 15 NBA pick. I know we all want him to stay, but at the end of the day, I would love the magic to get him. I mean, that would be it. We have two picks. I mean, I think, listen, Jonathan Isaac with the question marks surrounding J.I. and his injury, I think, you know, I, I really like J.I., but I think Taylor Hendricks can can really come in and kind of fit that role. I think he has a lot of potential to be that type of guy, especially on defense. Um, but Jairus Walker won freshman of the year in the American. And I understand the frustration from UCF fans because I was frustrated. I was shocked. I'm like, this kid's going to be a top 15 pick in the NBA draft. And he didn't win freshman of the year after the numbers he put up and the amount of times he won freshman of the week, setting a record for the American. And you look at the stats, right? And the stats, the stats speak for themselves. I mean, Hendricks, 15.6 points per game. Walker, 11.1. Rebounds, pretty much the same, but Hendricks, 6.8. Walker, 6.7. Blocks, Hendricks, 1.7. Walker, 1.0. Field goal percentage, 48.8% for Hendricks. uh, 47.9 for Walker. And three-point percentage, Hendricks, 41.3%. And then Walker, 35.8%. Players alone, listen. There's no question. There's no. There's no question who the better player is. There's no question who will be the higher pick. I think Walker is a really good player. He put up good numbers on a winning basketball team, and I think that. And listen, we can all complain, and we could say it's 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 a robbery, and Hendricks should have easily won that award. And and again, I believe that. I do believe Hendricks should have won the award. But the one argument that we can all understand and make is with MVP. Does the MVP for football, basketball, when you look at the MVP, does the MVP usually go to the team that was eighth in the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, or does it go to the best team player more than likely? Like we look at the NBA, Nikola Jokic is most likely going to win MVP. Now that's up for debate, but best team in the West most likely going to be the MVP, was clearly the best player. You look at football, right? Pat, Not always, but most of the time, the MVP goes to the best team and their best player. This past season, it was Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs were the number one team in the NFL. 
besides the Eagles, but Jalen Hurts was injured for however many weeks that kind of forced it to kind of go to Patrick Mahomes. He built a lead. With the freshman of the year, Walker played on the best team in the country. And if I'm an American voter, it's hard to go down to the list of UCF and say, let's pick him over the team that's the number one team in the country. Do I think it's right? No. I think it should go to the best player. And if you look at the times that Walker and Hendricks played against each other, Hendricks won the matchup every time. He had the better stat line. But it goes to the team that's, it's really a team award. It's not a freshman award. I know that's wrong because it's called freshman of the year, but these awards are team awards. Uh, And I saw some people blaming Michael Rasko, but guess what? Houston is going to the Big 12 too. So, I mean, now some people say Michael Rasko doesn't like us too much. So that's one thing to say, and at least Houston's the number one team in the country. But at the end of the day, I think UCF fans can find solace knowing that Taylor Hendricks is going to be drafted, and UCF has not had that in a while. I mean, I don't remember the last time a UCF basketball player was drafted in the first round. It might be the first time. I might be wrong on that, but I think it might be the first time in the first round, even that high. So I think just wait for the NBA draft, and you can get your little your your feel-good moment then. And hopefully we can see Taylor play a couple more games in a UCF basketball jersey. Uh, and hopefully today is not the last day for that. That's all I have to say. But I agree, it was a robbery. But you also have to understand the business aspect of Houston was the best team in the country. You give it to the freshman that was the best on the best team, even though that even if he wasn't the best freshman. And he was a damn good freshman. I mean, 11-7... That's 47, 48% from the floor. I mean, that's that's an impressive stat line, but I mean, it's ridiculous. Forty uh, Hendricks, 48.8% from the floor and 41.3% from three. That's insane. I mean, clearly the best freshman. I mean, one of the best freshmen in the country. I mean, if you have an all-freshman team in the country, I think he, he makes that list um, quite easily, but... It is what it is. Hopefully they can go out and get a dub today. It was robbery, but it is what it is, like I keep saying. And hopefully we can get the dub against Memphis. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Good on me, by myself, for doing 38 minutes here. That's I, I give myself a pat on the bat uh, back because I, I knew there was a lot to talk about, so I, I was good. And I've done by myself a lot of times um, prior to this show, so it's not something new for me uh but usually it's a quick show with not a lot of info so i'm happy that we got uh a lot of talking done please down in the comments let me know what you guys think there's a lot of different stuff to talk about uh write your paragraphs to me i love to read them and and love to hear your guys' thoughts um but yeah a lot of exciting stuff spring ball is starting here very shortly pumped 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 to see what comes out of spring and the new things that we can learn from this UCF Knights football team. All right, everybody, this has been Charge On. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.